Welcome to the Fresh RN Podcast. In this podcast, we will be discussing various nursing scenarios, personal experiences, policies, and procedures. The information contained in this podcast is meant to supplement your existing knowledge and not replace it. Always refer to your state board of nursing and respective facilities, policies, procedures, and protocols to guide your practice. Thanks, nurses. Stay fresh. I'm like, there it is. Okay. <laughs> What is that? It's Katie's foot. It's her feet. Edit that one out. We don't know what we're talking about. Numero uno. Whoa. It's in your groin. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. I hope you guys all call your central line lumens Regina Phalanges. Welcome, guys, to episode two of the Fresh RN podcast. Today, we are talking about central venous catheters. So we're going to just call this CVC 101, I think. Um, They're... They're uh, something that was a little challenging for me to really understand. I kind of just like grazed the surface of it in nursing school. And then all of a sudden I was a brand new nurse and it was my total responsibility to care for this central line. And it is terrifying. Um, So we want to just kind of dispel some myths, give you a little bit of education. And Elizabeth is laughing because I think you had this experience too, right? Actually, no, I'm laughing because your shoes are off. I just saw this foot down on the floor. Like... (laughs) Uh, what is that? It's Katie's foot. It's her feet. Um, so anyways, now that you've got a mental image of my feet, um, so it is a big topic. We're going to try to talk about some really practical stuff um, so that when when you're taking care of your patients, you just know kind of the basic safety stuff. It was one of those things that people assumed kind of I knew how to deal with as a new nurse, but I never, I just really got you know, mentioned it in our, in our critical care class. Like this is a central line. Here's what it looks like. Looks like, okay, bye. Like I didn't get a huge in-depth, like, um, practical knowledge, but I wonder if the reason I didn't get that though, is because a lot of, you know, every hospital has their own policies and procedures. They, They do. But I think, um, I mean, I always feel like, you know, um, every patient that you care for in a hospital should have some kind of IV access, unless you've got some great order by a doctor that says does not need an IV. But I'm sorry, guys, your patient needs some kind of IV. Right, right. Emergent All situations. All the time. All the time. But um, it, you see them so much. And then it's like, I mean, there's just so many things just to know with central venous access and peripheral IV access. Mm-hmm. And anyway. So we'll go into some specifics. So first I want to make sure that you have a good definition sp- b- about a peripheral IV, and then we're going to go into a central line. So a peripheral IV, or sometimes abbreviated as a PIV, um, they come in various sizes. The smaller the number, the larger the diameter of the needle. So like a size 14 is pretty large when a size That's 22 big. is really small. So typically speaking, in the hospital, most patients will have an 18 to 22 gauge um you know typically for, adults, for an think, adult yeah i'm yeah. not talking about kids i don't know what to do with children um <laughs> okay mom. i'm sorry you peds nurses <laughs> i I'm, I'm with my daughter i'm a brand new mom guys and i am like a brand new teacher like i'm staying one lesson ahead of the class i'm staying two months ahead of I hannah's development like <laughs> neonates i think they use like 24s i've had yeah. to call neonatal icu a couple times and be like can you Please send me a 24 gauge because we couldn't get an IV on somebody. Or oh, wow. Little, little baby. So, little baby IVs. Wow. So anyway, so, you know, whenever I get an order to start an IV or go start an IV, I ideally want to get an 18 gauge. And if I can't, then I'll get a 20 gauge. And then 
And then for if I really have to, I'll put in a 22. Yeah. Because, you know, the more you want to be able to administer fluids um, quickly if needed, if needed. So blood, typically you want that going through an 18 or a 20 gauge because it's just bigger molecules. Yeah. And you don't want the blood cells to break up going through a smaller catheter. That's Mm. that's the rationale. Red blood cells can break um, if they're going through little baby catheter little baby baby ivs so that is that's one of the reasons why it comes in different different sizes you know some people you can't get a large iv in and you have to go smaller and it's better than nothing so that's kind of what peripheral ivs look like Um, most likely they're in the arm ideally in the forearm where there's no bend you know you put in the needle and then you remove the needle and then the catheter stays in their arm which is bendy and so if you start in iv fluids and you put it in the crook of their arm every time they move their arm the iv pump is going to think hey i can't push my fluids through something's wrong and you'll have it beeping all the time so it's really helpful to have your peripheral IVs in your forearms typically we don't put them in the legs unless you absolutely have to I've had two or three patients with um, IVs in their legs but I had to get a special order from the physician meaning Um, like foot right yes like in their like their foot because like maybe one had a mastectomy (laughs) or they had a big you know like a DVT or something like that in their other arm Um, and typically they are changed out when the common practice right now is that they're changed out every 72 to 96 hours however regardless of what they look like. However, the latest research that has come out, and there's been multiple studies that have substantiated this, but that the practice just hasn't totally changed, is that, and um, I can't, and I'll put links to the actual, like some sites or some references in the show notes, but that you can, there's no worse outcomes, and it's much more cost-effective if you leave the IV in until you show signs of compromise. It saves the nurse time. It saves the patient pain. Being stuck, yeah. And then it also saves um, saves money on cost because if you're, like, trying four times to get an IV on someone because you took the other IV out just because it was time to change Old, it, even right. though it was fine. Right. You know, so that's what the practice is kind of changing to is to leaving them in until they're, you know – they're um, not working anymore. So they're not they're working or red. Draining, yeah. Infected. They're... So that's that's those are peripheral IVs, very common, you know, responsible for assessing them, charting on them, making sure they're not infiltrated, meaning like the the fluid has uh, kind of infiltrated the tissue around right. the vessel. Like it's all swollen or, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what you're watching for if you have continuous fluids infusing, which would indicate you need to switch the IV line. But those are peripheral IVs. We're going to focus a little bit more on central lines because they're bigger and scarier. And I just want to make one quick little comment about peripheral IVs. As a new nurse, um, just FYI, um, unfortunately, a good place to practice IV starts is in the antecubital area because usually you have great a good good vein there. AKA the bend Um, in your arm. The bend in your arm, right. Um, However, oh, well, it's also apparently – Patients say it doesn't hurt as much in that area. There's less nerve endings versus your hand or oh, yeah. your forearm or wrist. So not that, you know, I just, yeah, that every time the patient bends their arm, yes, the IV is going to pump. But if you need a good IV practice day, that's really a good little area to start looking for IVs or veins. That's a good point, I too. Just, just, you know, you'll get better as you go. I mean, um, I like to start IVs in the forearm. Um and some or the hand, but the hand hurts a lot, guys. So just FYI, but well, and that brings up a good point too. If you need an IV fast, 
And the antecubital space or the AC yeah. is a perfect place to look. Yeah. And actually, I've had a lot of patients just working, you know, in the ICU setting that come, patients that come up from the ED, yeah. they have IVs in the AC because the ED nurses, they needed to get a line and they needed it fast. Right. So it made sense that they put it there because they that's where they could see this big or, you know, larger, larger yeah. vein. Hey, I'm going to get this quickly because they need meds now. Right. So that's a great place to, the first place to look if you need one quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk some information or share some information about central lines. Um, central line is a, a large IV that, um, the point, the reason why they call it a central line is it's usually a very long catheter and it, it ends somewhere usually up in the chest area, like the um, superior vena cava, or sometimes you can get a, a central line down in the femoral vein. It's a large, the, the end of it goes into a very large vein. Um, the purpose of it um, is for things like hemodynamic monitoring to give large volumes of fluid. Um, certain vesicant drugs, for example, presser, vasopressors, um, um, am TPN. I talking too loud? Mm-hmm. TPN. I don't know. Um, just hear- um, if you need to, to draw blood a lot, that shouldn't be the reason you get a central line is to draw blood from. But anyway, um, it's a reliable IV access. It's usually inserted by some mid-level practitioner, a physician, PA, and a nurse practitioner. Um, some IV teams in hospitals, mm-hmm. an IV team is a, is a usually a group of nurses who are certified in um, infusion IV um, starting. I don't know. I don't know how to term it. You know, they, I think so. I've heard places call them the infusion team. Right. And they've got these special certifications where they can insert them and they'll use like EKGs and uh, ultrasound to verify that the term tip of the, the line terminates where it needs to. And I know, um, we see these a lot in critical care. You will see them on the floor. Um, especially if they've been in critical care, but, um, they're, they're, they're great because you can use them for what I've just mentioned, but, um, there's also a lot of risk and there needs to be a lot of care in handling these, these lines. Um, some of the terms that you'll hear, uh, if someone's saying, you know, the patient's got a line is though they've got a subclavian or they've got a IJ, which is, uh, um, inferior jugular. Um, is that interior? I think interior jugular edit that part out. We don't know what we're talking about. Um, but so a lot of them are named slang wise, I guess, for the area that they're inserted. So they've got a femoral or they've got an IJ or the uh, subclavian. So that's when when you're getting in report, it's like, all right, Mr. Smith, he's got a triple lumen subclavian. So that means he's got a central line that's inserted in the subclavian, you know, space. So that is when you hear that, or they've got, they've got a line or CVC. Internal jugular thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Yeah. So you know, if you hear that, oh, they've got a, you know, they've got a, they've got a subclavian. That typically they mean central line. Yes. Sometimes um, port. I've heard port before, and port can be kind of confusing because a port is an implanted. Um, it's it's placed in in surgery, but it's a, like an implanted, almost like it looks like a little disc that's mm-hmm. placed under the skin, um, for usually patients who have to have uh, chemo or um, some kind of like 
ongoing intermittent infusions, um, that it's accessed with a needle, um, and it's, it can be, it's, it can be used as a kind of central, uh, it's considered central access, um, I believe, but, um, sometimes you'll hear the word port and it's, they're usually, they're referencing that port or they're talking about a central line, um, um, but they're, they're a good little, um, they're very useful when you have them. Um, especially with those unstable patients. Right. Right. And if your patient is unstable, you probably need to get one. Um, so exactly where, so what defines a central line really is the, the, yeah. the actual like size of the catheter, but then mainly where it terminates. And wh when we say that, that it means where the end of the tube is, I guess. And like she said, it's, it typically terminates in a large vessel like the superior vena cava or the SVC. Um, and actually when I looked this up, I wanted to, you know, give you guys some references to be able to like verify, you know, Hey, okay, read a little bit more. So I... I looked up where technically it's supposed to terminate, and I read that actually where it terminates is somewhat controversial. So most practitioners apparently prefer to place it in the distal end of the superior vena cava at or near its junction, um, at or near its junction or within the right atrium. I didn't realize that. I thought yeah, because the superior vena cava goes right straight to the heart. So if you remember your anatomy, which is really important to know the anatomy of the heart, is you've got the SVC, which is right above the right atrium. So if you think about it, you're pushing a medication through this, uh, this central line, and it the first place it dumps out into is, is, the is the heart. That's a big deal, guys. Like So if you're pushing a medication too fast or too yeah. much, but then also think about it, the reason why these vesicant drugs, so drugs where if you put it in a normal IV, it would irritate the vein. Yeah, that's vesicant. Yeah. Yes, that's what vesicant means. So it irritates the vein and the, the tissue surrounding where that IV is. If you push it through a central line or administer it through a central line, not necessarily just push it, like um, these Levofed uh, or, or norepinephrine, like those kinds of medications, yeah. if you put it in a central line, it immediately gets diluted by a whole bunch of blood in the right atrium. So that's why um, central lines are needed for vesicant drugs is because it immediately gets diluted right away. Right. So that's really, really important to know. Um, but it, So it either terminates in the SVC or it terminates in the right atrium. But if it's in the actual right atrium, it uh, apparently raises the patient's risk of dysrhythmia significantly. So a lot of people will put it um, at the distal end of the superior vena cava, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And a femoral line, if you have a central line in the femoral vein, that catheter doesn't go all the way up to the heart it's but it it the catheter goes in the femoral vein is a huge vein that eventually uh connects to the inferior vena cava um so anyway that's a lot of times in emergencies especially in critical care if you can't get central line access somewhere up in the chest or the neck the docs will go for the femoral yeah um, and those are not all, like because you think about that that's a really rough place dirty. and <laughs> you know where that is right guys it's the crotch <laughs> it's in your groin <laughs> yeah i'm like there it is there right there so, so i've actually very long <laughs> not, i've only had like a couple patients with those honestly yeah with, and, and they don't stay for very long because the infection risk is so high but going to you know so that is important for you to to know when you're giving meds like 
if you're not sure if it's a central line or not, you can look at an x-ray and yes. see where the end of it is. They have to have an x-ray after it's placed. Let me stress that. Mm-hmm. Or unless it's placed like in fluoroscopy down in actual radiology. Yeah. Or um, or if a uh, some, some um, people will put in these EKGs to confirm placement. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, but those are to, the, the only time I've actually personally seen that is when a nurse that's on an infusion team does it. Oh, I, they have, okay, maybe I have seen that little device. Yeah, it's um, interesting. But most of your patients with some with a central line access is going to get a chest X-ray to confirm yes. placement. And if, if they hadn't, they should get one. Sometimes they'll place central lines in the operating room. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just need to make sure that a chest X-ray has been done because they're not always done if it's, if it's an OR. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, if you remember that anatomy, you know, the physician inserts it, and it, they are going for the SVC, but sometimes it can go up the jugular right. and to the brain. I have seen that happen. Um, so anyways. Not to scare you. Not to scare you, but it's important to make sure that you're verifying where the end of that is, especially if you're getting ready to administer medications like vesicant drugs or TPN or whatever. That needs to be in definitive, definitely needs to be in a central line. Yeah. So like we had just grazed over, infection is a huge concern. Right. Um, and if, if an infection occurs here, then it can become a big deal really, really quickly. If yeah. You, if you've ever heard of this term, it's called a central line associated bloodstream infection. We or, call them clabsies. Yes. And I'm glad she said that because clabsy, I never say it right, clabsy. I don't know, but that's what that is, and that's something that hospitals are measured on their clabsy infection rates. Yeah, and that's a whole other discussion we can talk about. But the um, hospitals are evaluated on their infection rates, and one of those, like we just said, and like your unit will have some kind of statistics on how many days has it been since there's been a clabsy mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. a catheter, a fully catheter associated UTI, et cetera. We'll get, I don't want to get off topic, right? But, but that is really important too because. And it, that is really going to go into some specific things about care that we're going to talk about. But um, you do have a risk of infection from inserting the line. But you have most, it's much more likely that if a patient gets a clabsy, it's because of the nursing care. Yeah. So and we'll talk yes. about that. Yes. Um, yeah. So basically, that that's kind of a little information about what it is. But let's talk about, you know, keeping it clean and infection yeah, stuff. Right. So you really, it's, it's imperative guys. Like people can die. Like I, yes, people, they do can die. and do die from yeah. these infections because we're not caring for these lines appropriately. Remember where this terminates, it's in their freaking heart. Right. So if we're, if we are not cleaning this line appropriately and we're just pushing things through and it's going directly into their heart. So I want that to marinate. And if you think about sometimes where your IV tubing can rest. It's on a bed. It could be against a rail. Um, there's germs all over the place. I yes. Mean, we um, are a big germ. I mean, yeah. And that's, <laughs> I mean, these are, yeah. So, um, that's why caring for the lines and, and the IV tubing and stuff and your unit or your hospital has a policy on maintaining, um, or, or preventing infection with, uh, line management. 
So I'm going to just briefly discuss a couple things, and then we're going to go into very specific things that are very essential for you as the, the brand new nurse taking care. Yeah, all this stuff is really good information, but what do I need to know to take care of my patients? So I just want to, one, one of the things I know is whenever, you know, okay, I need to get a central line for my patient. It comes, there's various lumens. So lumens are the amount of ports or like where you can push meds into, if you can picture that. One, two, and three. I've never seen four lumens before. In a, I, you I have? Had, yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically the diagnosis, diameter of the catheter doesn't change, but if you have more lumens, it splits up that catheter even more. Like the, the diameter, it makes it smaller. So the likelihood of it to clot is higher. So if your patient is getting a central line, you want them to have the least amount of ports um, or lumens that are going to you know, be um, appropriate. So if the patient is really getting a central line for TPN and they need TPN and one other med, like double lumen is probably the most appropriate yeah. and they're very stable. So the, keep that in mind. So don't, the, the, the myth is the more lumens, the better. That is false. It is not better to have more lumens. It depends on what's going on with the patient, but you only want three and four lumens if you desperately need it. Yeah. And I think most central venous catheter kits are three lumens. Yes. So the lumens, like Katie said, you have the tube, which is the actual catheter. And then the lumens are the little phalanges that split off on the end. Mm -hmm. I love that word. Phoebe Buffet, <laughs> Regina Phalange. <laughs> Phalange. Um, but let's talk about the difference. So, okay, there, we talked about it's a central line and that's their line, but I'm sure a lot of you have heard of a pick line. And maybe yeah, some and of you may heard see of that more on the floor. Yeah, and especially if you're on new grad on the floor, you might see that more. You'll see a pick line more, yeah. So pick stands for? Peripherally, peripherally inserted central catheter. Meaning it is placed, pick lines are placed in the arm usually. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's usually done with a specialty team, an IV team or PA or whatever. Um, it goes, they, they look for a large vein in the upper arm, usually your basilic mm -hmm. or cephalic vein. Um, and it also, a pick line has a long catheter. Um, so it's placed, they thread the catheter through the vein, and um, typically a pick line that catheter terminates usually in the superior vena cava as well. Um, it could also be, I don't, I don't know how to like, a midline can also be um, a longer catheter. I don't want to get off subject about the pick line, but the midline, the catheter, the, the tip of the catheter is not in the SVC. It's usually farther up in the axillary region of the arm. So. Yeah. So, and that's the, the challenging thing with a pick line versus a midline. Yeah. Pick line is a central line. A midline is not, but they mm -hmm. look identical on right. the outside. A midline is just a pick line, like cut in half. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's, you're going into a very large vessel. So a midline is a reliable IV access. Absolutely. And you can use it for certain vesicant drugs, not TPN or things like that. But you know, if you if you have a patient on, um, I don't know, uh, Dilantin, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or some vesicant drug that can just eat away at some of these small little um, IVs in the hand and arms. 
Um, Caveat though, this all depends on your specific hospitals, you know, policies and procedures. So this is, we're speaking very, very generally about that. So, but the important thing to know that we want to make sure, so a a per, a pick line is a central line. A midline is not. And the only way that you may know is if it's labeled appropriately on the actual patient and in the chart. And the best way to know for sure is to look at an x-ray. And that's really important to know. Yeah. Um, so you treat a pick line like a central line when caring Absolutely. for that um, IV access. Um, and do we do we want to just kind of jump into? Yeah, let's do the, the okay, line, Elizabeth. Let's just like you are talking to this brand new nurse right in front of you. That's like, okay, what the heck do I do with this thing? So let we're gonna talk cleaning um, and all that really like practical. How do you take care of those things? Um, <laughs> what do you look at when you're taking care of a central line, and how do you take care of it? First thing I look at is why do we have it? What's oh. it there for? I love um, that. That was the first thing that she said. <laughs> Can I just say, why do we have this thing? So you are caring for a patient and you notice they have a pick line in their arm. They've got no IV fluids going through it. It's just sitting there. Um, they're not even getting any kind of IV medications anymore. Um, how long has it been there? Do, do we really need it? Can we take it out? That is the first thing to consider is what is the necessity of the line? And in, in, Critical care areas, typically this is evaluated every day by the team of docs caring for the patient. Do we need that um, central line? If not, get it out. But on the floors, um, it may not be looked at on a daily basis. It should be. Um, So as as a new nurse, figure out, is this something that they really need? If they're getting frequent, first of all, if they have very poor, uh, quality of veins or venous access access, or if they're a really hard stick and they're getting blood draws every six, 12 hours, or they've gotten blood or they're on TPN, they, they need it. Um, um, but if it's just been hanging out and we're not really doing anything or they're going home tomorrow and you know, let's, let's see about getting that out. So evaluating the necessity of the line is Numero uno. Whoa. (laughs) But, and remember, and I'm just going to interject real quick to say this, the central line is a direct line from the outside world to their heart. Right. So even if they're getting discharged tomorrow, it is helpful to take that thing out and just toss in an IV. And that's that's that. We've gotten rid of this, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, so the Invasive real, line. Yeah. Large invasive very line. Very large invasive line. If it was your family member, your loved one, would we want them to have that if they didn't need it? Absolutely not. Continue. Sorry. Um, so next thing is you're coming in and you're assessing it. You want to look at the dressing that's over the line. Um, your hospital will have policies about what kind of dressing uh, needs to be on it and how often and, and whatnot needs to be, how long, how often that should be changed. But you want to make sure that that dressing is occlusive, meaning it's covering the entire area of the insertion site, and it is it is on, not falling off. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of places now are using some kind of um, antimicrobial patch or disc or um, I've seen little transparent jelly-looking things. Oh, I've seen that too. Um, um, right over the insertion site. Um, and then around it is a large tegaderm. I call it opsite, um, but a tegaderm, which is a clear, transparent dressing. That should typically be what is on the 
central line. Um, and then, you know, it's secured, you know, around that area or taped around that area pretty well. But if your dressing is coming off, just by golly, just change it. Um, and, and, and it's because that thing, it's just, if it, I don't know, it's just a breeding ground for germs if it's not, yeah. if it's not uh, covered and well. you you want to make sure it's covered well, and then conversely though, if the the line looks good, um, or I'm sorry, the dressing looks good, you don't want to change it too often because right. if you have You're exposing it right every and I've not seen the, the, what I see typically is you change it routinely once a week every yeah. seven days right and to clean get it a good give it a good clean and put a new antimicrobial patch or jelly or whatever it is a new dressing on it. Um, at once a week, unless it's needed more frequently, but you don't want to do that more frequently than that right. because every time you pull that open, you're, you're exposing, exposing it, it to air. Right. Right. Um, and, um, I just lost my train of thought with the dressing. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, you want to actually look at the insertion site itself. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Usually, hopefully that the good thing about some of those transparent antimicrobial, gel patches is you can actually look at the insertion site. You mm. want to make sure it's not draining or red or, you know, you want to make sure it looks clean. Yes. Um, and there's, there's, you know, central line dressing changes. Cleaning that site is usually a sterile process. You put on sterile gloves, you create a sterile field, put taking you back to nursing school days. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're going to put on a mask, put the mask on a patient, etc. Um, but you, you want to make sure that site looks good as well. Um, so that's something else you evaluate or assess um, when looking at the actual uh, central line. Um, now, um, if you – so you have the lumens, the phalanges. Um, <laughs> the coming Regina off, phalanges. <laughs> coming off the line. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope you guys all call your central line lumens <laughs> Regina phalanges. <laughs> I just love that word. Anyway, oh, um, I love it. you usually have some kind of um, caps on the end of the lines. Um, and then, I don't know how to... I have walked into um, rooms and seen patients with central lines. And so you have the tube. You have the, the phalanges, the little tube, the little tubelings. Now I'm using tubelings. The little tubelings. You should see how we're trying to describe this to you I with our I hands, could, but you cannot um, see it. And there, there's little, there's these little attachments on them, but there should be a cap on that. Like a typically white or clear cap right. that is on the end of it. It's a one-way valve. Right. Or well... Yeah, 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 it's, a one, it's way. one way. Yeah. Um, and but I have walked into rooms and not seen those caps. So literally, the tube just is flopping around, just flopping around open. The one-way valve, and what we mean by one-way valve is things can go in, but things can't come out. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you, like blood and fluid can't come out of that one-way valve. Keep the blood um, and fluid in there, guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. So little bacterial critters can just crawl right up that tubing and they can still crawl up that tubing with the, the caps on, but you'll have these white or clear caps on the end. And then there's these newer things that we're using now called, um, they're like cure, they call curious caps. There's a couple different companies, um, companies that make them. The one that we're familiar, Elizabeth and I are familiar with are curious caps. I think there's like a couple, there's orange ones, exact same thing. Yeah. Um, but there are little ahead. caps that go on those caps that have the <laughs> alcohol. They have like embedded alcohol foam, in the cap and you put them on. And so it protects, 
it protects the the caps from um you know um it keeps them clean yeah so when you take off that cap and you have to inject a medication the cap is clean we are still in a practice of doing something called scrub the hub which um this is um it's 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 when you when you give an IV med, um, you clean that end of that cap off well with an alcohol uh, swab like ten times. Yeah, quickly and like vigorously. Quickly, let it dry and then inject the medication so that the the cap is sterile essentially. And you must do that like every time you push something into it. So it's not like okay, I'm going to give my um, IV Pepsid, right? And I'm going to take off my Kuros cap or my whatever cap, and then I'm going to flush it with IV met or IV fluid. I'm sorry, with saline. Then I have to clean it again yep. before I attach my Pepsid syringe. Then I give my Pepsid, and then I clean it again when I flush it. Because whenever you give medications, you flush the line first, and then you give the med, and then you have to flush it again. Um, Um, And then actually another thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned too is you always want to check for blood return. So you you flush a little bit and then you pull back to see if you get blood coming up. And the important thing is to know that you're getting blood return because if you don't, there's a problem. What's most likely happened is a clot has formed at the end of it and it's created another one-way valve where you can push things through, but Mm -hmm. you can't pull it back. And the concern is if that clot dislodges and goes somewhere else. So if you have, um, if you cannot get blood return, then you have to, um, you can have a clot clot and you have to do whatever policy procedure. Most places say you have to call the physician and then put in an order for out to place and follow that procedure to break up the clot at the end of the catheter. So that's really important that you're consistently cleaning appropriately, scrubbing the hub 10 times or whatever your policy says. Every single time anything touches the end of that, and then also checking for blood return before administering meds to ensure that a clot mm-hmm. is not there. And you Make also sure. yeah, go ahead. Or, uh, also have to make sure that you're flushing it routinely. You can't just throw in a central line on somebody and then they're done, you know, and they're, it's like uh, nothing's infusing. So you just leave it there. It needs to be flushed routinely or a clot will definitely form. It won't, it's not if it'll form, it will well. form. So if you have a patient that has a central line, they must have routine flushes um, on their mar. Right. They have to, or, yeah. or you're just going to be dealing with a clot. Yeah. And I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, guys. Um, and so, um, if let's say, for example, you, you know, you've got IV fluids attached to all of those lumens, um, that IV tubing also needs to have those caps Mm -hmm. on the ends of the, on the hubs of the IV tubing on all the ports and the IV tubing should be scrubbed, scrub the hub as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how else to say it, but, um, just like you would if you're actually flushing a med through that that actual uh, phalange. Um, so um, going into IV tubing, um, when you get a brand new central line, let's say you had peripheral IVs before and the docs just put in a new central line, all of your IV tubing must be changed, fresh, brand new IV tubing before you attach anything to that central line. Because if you've had these old peripheral IVs, and whatever reason, if they weren't necessarily cared for like they should be, and you attach dirty IV tubing to Gross. a brand new central line, that could be risk for infection. Um, oh, gross. But the, one of the biggest things and learning curves for me that I was not educated on was discontinuing them appropriately. And this 
Mm. Whenever you need to care, I encourage you if you're brand new to pull the policy, meaning pull up your policy at your hospital and figure out what the, what how, the the step checklist and the steps of caring for it and um, your role in removing it and the big the big oh my gosh such a big deal that when you're removing a central line because that is a nurse's responsibility physician does not need to do that you as a bedside nurse are perfectly capable and wonderful at doing that so you're going to f- grab the policy and follow it step by step and one of the most important aspects of removing a central line safely is laying the patient flat mm-hmm. it is a huge deal mm-hmm. because when you remove this you can create an air embolism and you can legit kill someone. Yep. And actually, I was involved in a code once where a central line in the neck was taken out. The patient was sitting up in the chair and had an air embolism and went into cardiac arrest immediately. Yep, and, they code um, immediately. They um, they survived, but um, they had permanent damage as a result. Yeah, and actually, I remember, um, I can't remember when it was, but I saw on CNN some article about... 10 or 20 medical never should have happened, you know, things. And one of them was this 18-year-old guy that was admitted for, like, some MRSA infection on his leg and had a central line because he was getting all these antibiotics. And he was getting discharged, so the nurse was taking out his line, and she he was sitting up, pulled out his line. He coded and died at 18. He was totally fine, except the nurse pulled out the line wrong. So it's important... I can't tell you how important it is to lay that patient flat to pull out that line. Yeah. Um, you legi- That's one of the few things I feel like you can really like instantly do something horrific. Yeah. So that is so important. And even if, so if you're on a unit and someone says, no, we take him out with him sitting in the chair all the time. I don't care. You're going to be the weirdo that does it different and does it correctly. And you're going to look at the policy because that is the, the safest way to do that. Yeah. And, and, and I just, uh, oh my gosh, I can't. This is my my big one of my big things that I kind of forget about. Well, you know, we've we've learned from seeing things and experiences, and mm-hmm. you know, you just don't want that to be one of your experiences. I mean, right? Um, so, and it's it should be policy that they're laid flat. Another thing too is sometimes I have them um, hold their breath as yeah. I'm pulling out the catheter. I've seen that in policy too, um, where you hold, have them hold their breath, or I, mean, I don't know if it's cough. cough. Yeah, it's something about the atmospheric pressure versus the mm-hmm. pressure in their heart. I don't know all the technicalness about it. Um, and then if they have had one, if you think they've had an air embolism, which I don't know how you would know if they would or not, um, I believe you turn them on their left side, or their. I think if you turn them on their left side, it traps the air in the right atria. I believe, but I'm not sure. I'll put a link to that. Um, but you know, these patients, if that happens, they'll code pretty quickly. So hopefully that doesn't happen with you and it won't because you listen to the fresh RN podcast and, and you're going to check out our show notes that have a link that will tell you more about this. But anyways, um, another thing too, when, when removing these, um, IVs, discontinuing them, um, is, um, if you meet resistance while pulling, the catheter should come out smoothly. Very smoothly. Smoothly. Nice and smooth. <laughs> if not, you got a problem. Stop. <laughs> oh, my God, Just stop. Just stop. I, um, <laughs> I have a story about don't this. Don't yank it. Yeah. Um, oh, my God, don't yank it. <laughs> don't yank it. Reason is, is sometimes these lovely little catheters can broken off in places or get caught on something. And if you yank it out, you could break it off when you yank it out and leave pieces inside the patient's chest. They have to have surgery to remove those pieces. Um, so um, you want it you want it to 
you want it. And most of the time it comes out smoothly. Yes, it does. I've, okay, so I've got a story about this, actually. I actually have never had that happen. One time, it wasn't a central line. I was pulling a drain out of somebody's brain, and it didn't come out smoothly, and I had to call the, OR, or the doctor. But that was that's different. Yeah. I was pulling it. Or I, I did a little YouTube video on central lines. And then, you know, talked about this and made a big deal about, you know, when you pull it out, it's got to come out smoothly and then, you know, lay flat. And then I didn't think anything of it. Like I just did my little video. And then a month or two later, I had a girl message me and she said, so I watched your video. I loved it. Yada, yada, yada. And then I was taking care of my patient with a central line and it wasn't, I was pulling it and it didn't come out. Like it was kind of tough to pull. So I stopped. And if I hadn't watched your video, I probably would have pulled harder because it seemed like I could get it, but I couldn't. So I stopped. And then she called the doctor who called the surgeon who called the CRNA that inserted it. And the patient had to go back to the OR because it adhered to um, something. So I was like, oh, wow, that I'm really glad that she stopped. You also, another thing is you want to make sure that that IV tubing or the, the, not the, the lumen, the tip of the lumen is intact. If you have a pick line, the, the, there is something documented somewhere in the patient's chart that the, the pick line was cut at 35 centimeters. You want to make sure that when that pick line is removed, because you're going to remove it the same way as mm-hmm. the central line, that, that, that the end of that tubing is measured where it's documented. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really another important. tidbit. So it's important to, you know, take care of them appropriately. It's important Clean, to... Clean, sterile technique. Oh, yes. Make sure your dressings are intact. Um, take care of your IV tubing. Um, and then... Blood return. Blood return. Flushing them routinely. And lay your patients flat when you remove them. And don't have them if you don't really need right. them. Right, right. Um, just want to do a couple quick things about, you know, make sure also you're educating patients and families about them. Yeah, don't like, touch them. Like, don't screw with them. Like, this is this is my zone. You're, don't lick I them. I know this is part of your body, but I'm taking, you're not, a, this is this is the nurse's don't domain. Don't pull your right dressing here. off. Don't pull your dressing off. I can't tell you how important it is. Don't pick at it. Um, some patients innocently, like, you know, think it's like an IV and this? no big deal. Oh, Oh yeah. So that's really important. So basically that's that's what we're that's what we're talking about. Central lines. I hope this has been helpful yeah. for you guys. And always refer to your policies in your oh, hospitals. Yes. Just know what your policies are. Go ahead and, you know, keep them in your nursing orientation packet. You know, there weren't a lot that I actually printed out because a lot of them were pretty straightforward. But the central line one, removing one. it and caring for it is definitely one I had printed out and multiple times during orientation I had pull, I pulled it out to go through step by step and I remember pulling it out and removing it step by step having the the checklist in front of me there is no shame doing that yeah. if you if you're not sure about the exact procedure I myself and many other nurses have printed things off and then just gone directly through it so so that is our little CVC 101 our Good Regina luck. phalanges so I hope you i hope this was helpful thank you guys for listening um go check out freshrn.com slash podcast for uh show notes i'm going to put some links in there to some additional resources that may be helpful for you also going to put in a link to my actual video a lot of the i talk about some of the similar things um but if you just want to see my beautiful smiling face there you can go there for that if you go to freshrn.com you know elizabeth can't get enough of it right now um if you go to freshrn.com 
Or my feet. Um, if you go to freshrn.com, you can check out. We have a bunch of gear, uh, sweatshirts, uh, T-shirts, uh, pencil cases, clinical notebooks, and whatnot. So check that out. Uh, and have a great day, guys. Stay fresh. Keep my crew. But it ain't easy, lady. You're making me sweat, baby. Yeah.